Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, man, it's a... <laughs> I don't even know how to call this, Bryce. It's a sad time, but it's a, a, a time to celebrate. It's a time to reflect. <laughs> it's a whole lot of different things, man. And of course, we are talking about the announcement that Miss Serena Williams gave in Vogue magazine saying that she is evolving away from the game of tennis. Bryce, come on, talk to the people, brother. What did you think about the news that Miss Serena Williams broke? Well, it's very interesting because I think Coco Golf said it best. She said it was a surprise, but then it wasn't. Right. I mean, I think with her basically having not played in a year, Mm -hmm. when she came back to Wimbledon this year. Um, you know, <laughs> we see Serena on TV for a whole lot of different <laughs> reasons other than tennis, <laughs> you know, these exactly. days. And, I mean, and we, I mean, we knew it was coming sometime soon, but I think, you know, our producer Chester, you know, maybe said it best then when he said, you knew it was coming, but when it actually hits, when you actually see that announcement, when it's actually real, mm -hmm. then it, it, it actually hits you at that point. Right. And, right. and it puts you in that very reflective type of mindset um, and, and very appreciative type of mindset that this is someone who we watched their career from day one to the last day. Yep, exactly. And Tracy Austin also made a very good point when she said, you know, Serena, we thank you for allowing us to know that these are the last few weeks coming up so that we can properly celebrate it. Because I can understand. Remember, Serena said at one time, you know, when she's done, nobody's going to know. <laughs> right. Right. And and that would have felt I mean, I get where she's coming from, but as a fan that would have felt kind of funny, like, oh, we don't get a chance to to really get in our feelings about it. Right. But, you know, uh, I agree with Tracy. Thank you, Serena, for allowing us to really cherish these next couple of weeks coming up uh, in both Cincinnati and in New York. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think that you're, I mean, yeah, you said it best. Tracy Austin said it best that, yeah, we want to be able to celebrate our champions and our, and especially for us, our Queens, uh, both, both Venus and Serena, although Venus has not shared anything yet. This is Serena's spotlight. And, right. um, it's just really, really great. You know, just, you know, the fact that again, she, you know, she's done it her way. Um, mm -hmm. I think that her career has, 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 I finally feel like she in these latter stages that she's getting the flowers that she has always deserved. And yes. I think that's why we're seeing her on TV so much with all these different products and what have you, because she's finally getting the recognition that she should have had a decade ago. Right. Um, you know what I mean? And so from that standpoint, I'm so very happy for her. Um, you know, it was kind of tough. I was like, okay, I am seeing Serena on TV a lot, but I would really like to see her on the court. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but I get it. I get it. You got to make them coins. I mean, you know, the fact that she, you know, has transitioned into a family, you know, a mother, a, you know, a wife, 
I mean, it's it's just, you know, all of the evolution, like she said, she is evolving. And unfortunately for us, it does mean away from the sport that that we all love. But I am so hoping that Serena will still be with tennis in some capacity. I don't exactly know how that is, um, but I sure hope she does. Right. Well, I tell you what, I mean, before we get all sad and everything, I, <laughs> I think this is a great opportunity to reflect on what she has done in the game and why we say she clearly is the GOAT. Right, right. Now, I'm going to start this off with a bit, it wouldn't be Bryce without a bit of a controversial statement. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And this is just my opinion. Um, I think when we talk about GOATs, um, uh, and we'll keep it to tennis right now. Uh, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Um, Serena has a certain number of records and things that she's done that, you know, may never be surpassed and which totally qualifies her to be a goat, but there are other people in the game and, 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 you know, our listeners have always heard me talk about Martina Navratilova, right? And, Although Martina does not have the same number of singles Grand Slam mm-hmm. titles as Serena. And Serena has the 23 and, and Martina is tied with Chris Everett with the 18. Right. When you look at the total body of work, um, for me, I kind of on one side, I still have Martina when I look at everything she did in singles and doubles and mixed doubles and some of the streaks and the numbers that she had, uh, you know, I cannot not acknowledge that. Um, But Serena, what is so impressive with Serena for me is that she, the, the, the number of singles Grand Slam titles that she has during the open era, as well as the number of doubles titles and even the couple of the mixed doubles titles, coupled with a lot of the external factors that she has dealt with uh, coming up through the game. You know, just number one, you know, being an African-American woman in the sport of tennis, uh, the length of her career uh, where she was a legitimate threat still in singles. Right. You know, even with Martina, Martina, of course, played for a very long time, but toward the back end of her career, she was primarily a doubles player. Right. You know, Serena stayed a single threat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically all the way through the end. Yeah. And, you know, and and one thing that Serena did that I have to absolutely put above Martina Navratilova, and, and, and not all of this is Martina's fault, by the way, mm-hmm. but the barriers that Serena broke in terms of her being basically an athletic superstar beyond the sport of tennis. Right, right. Uh, She has become a global icon from a fashion standpoint, from, you know, a member of our African-American community standpoint, uh, Mm -hmm. being an actress, being in music videos. Uh, You know, someone said recently, that the sports Mount Rushmore would have three heads, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, and Tom Brady. Nice. And 
and people are saying that she is arguably not the greatest women's tennis player ever, not just the greatest tennis player ever. There are arguments out there that she is the greatest athlete right. ever across all sports. And for me, that defines her goatage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For me. Absolutely. And, and, and lest we forget, she also had uh, 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 an academy um, that she, mm-hmm. she that she, you know, had sponsorship for. So, I mean, again, like you said, the contributions that she's made have far extended uh, the sport of tennis itself. So I, I absolutely agree with you. She should most definitely be considered and be in the conversation of the greatest of all time, regardless of, of gender and or sport. I mean, she's yep. done um so many things and 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 it's just been it's been an amazing ride man it's been really 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 cool and um yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how things are both at uh the the cincinnati tournament because as 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 you know as listeners should know we are here so we hope to uh, (laughs) engage in that a little bit and understand Mm -hmm. you know what that will look like here and of course at the u.s open you know they are going to absolutely uh do it right um because that is the site where serena earned her first singles grand slam championship so they they're not gonna half step they're gonna come right no Um, right i mean come on (laughs) No, you know it, Isaac. And and let's do this, Isaac. Let's just run down some of the stats so that people know. Because if anybody comes up to me and even mentions Margaret Court to me, (laughs) let me just read the stats. So, So, of course, she reached a career high of number one in both singles and doubles. She was number one in singles for 319 weeks. She was number one in doubles for eight weeks. Her singles winning percentage was 85% on her career. Her doubles winning percentage was (laughs) 84.9% in her career. She she amassed 73 singles titles. She was a runner-up 25 times. She has 23 doubles titles. She was a runner-up twice. In terms of her Grand Slam titles, she has 39 total Grand Slam titles, 12 times being a runner-up. 23 of those were in singles, where she was 10 times a runner-up. 14 were in doubles, where she was never a (laughs) runner-up. Come on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All 14 with Venus, by the way. Yes. Two time mixed doubles Grand Slam champion. And she was twice a runner up. She has 11 Australian Open Grand Slam titles. uh, Twice a runner up. Seven of those in singles. Once a runner up. Four of those in doubles. One in mixed. Five times a Roland Garros champion two times a runner-up, three times was a singles champion, only once the runner-up, two times a champion in doubles, and one time a double in mixed. She has 14 Wimbledon championships, four times a runner-up. She's won seven of those in singles, 
All four of those, four of those are runner. Well, four, all four of her runner-ups were in singles. She has won six doubles titles at Wimbledon and one mixed doubles title. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the one, well, I'm sorry, the the one mixed in Australia, in Australia and Roland Garros were both uh, runner-ups. Uh, and Wimbledon, she had a, um, she was the champion in mixed doubles one time. And then finally, you have the U.S. Open where she has nine championships there, four times a runner-up. Six times she was a singles champion, four times the runner-up. And then two times the doubles champion and one time the mixed doubles champion. She won the WTA finals five times, (laughs) two times the runner-up. And she has four Olympic gold medals, uh, one in singles in 2012, and then she won uh, the gold and doubles with Venus in 2000, 2012, uh, 20, uh, 20, uh, 2008 and 2012. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the stats what are ridiculous. You, what, what can you say to that? I mean, what what you can say is ridiculous. Uh, what you can also say is consistency. Um, you can it, there's balance in all of those numbers that you said. There was balance, so it's not as though it's you know it, you know and and definitely not taking anything, of course, away from Rafa, who is like the king right. of clay. Yep. But when you look at Serena, her numbers are just consistent across the board. I right. mean, knowing that I mean even with clay being her quote-unquote worst service, she still got three singles Grand Slam championships at Roland Garros. <laughs> right. I mean, right. come on now. Um, so she has won the Grand Slam three times over. Um, and so, I, it, you know, and I believe that's only second to Steffi, right? Because I think Steffi yes. may have had four um, right. across. So, so I mean, <laughs> those numbers are just simply ridiculous. Um, but it goes to show just how incredible her career has been and how dominant of a force that she has been in this sport of tennis, given, again, all of the things that you mentioned, how many people tried to deny her, how many people tried to, you know, throw barriers and things in her way. She got it done. She got it done. Right. And she helped usher in a lot of things that changed the game. She and Venus brought a level of uh, power. Okay, so once again, going to Martina, Martina was known for bringing fitness and athleticism to tennis. Well, Venus and Serena said, we'll see you that fitness and athleticism and we'll also bring power. Correct. Correct. With no loss of mental strength and ability to strategize. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what people like to say. You know, I'm, I ain't going to preach here tonight, but I'm going <laughs> to say sometimes people like to say that when you have a big, powerful game, then you don't, you know, you're not a smart player or you, right. you don't use strategy. They had it all. Serena yes. Williams is the person that is, re- is the reason why we have electronic line calling today. Boy, because say that. Of, well, well, I think talk about the U.S. Open. Oh, good Lord. I, I, I remember I will always remember that match and that particular point 
it, it is it is burned into my memory <laughs> brain because it was so it was so wrong and and it was just such a poor judgment on the the chair umpire's part but the fact that again she was basically uh folks uh Serena was playing a match against an, another American Jennifer Capriati mm-hmm. um and basically in the match um Serena hit a ball that was cross court and it was the far farthest line basically from the chair umpire and she hit the ball the ball was not even on the line it was inside of the line and the chair umpire overruled and called it out and when they did the replay again the ball wasn't even on the line it was inside the line and serena was basically saying what are you doing how are you going <laughs> to overrule a shot that is across the court that you don't even have a good line of sight on and right. oh by the way it was well in it right. was the it was the worst call folks in tennis history it's it, when you think about the the magnitude of that match and the fact that it was a grand slam tournament that was the worst call ever made and Mm -hmm. honestly that's what ushered in things like shot spot and hawkeye and these other these other technologies because they saw how egregious that call was and it would it just threw the entire match off and serena unfortunately ended up losing that match to jennifer capriati Yeah. 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 So she was responsible for that. And although current tennis players of all races, of all nationalities, will refer to Serena Williams as being someone they watched when they were growing up or someone that was an inspiration to them, we have to acknowledge the specific influence she had on people of color. Yes. Getting in the game. Because remember, before Venus and Serena, we was always lucky to have a handful. You know, you'd have your Chanda and your Zenas, and you'd have three or four floating around there doing their thing. But when you look at the landscape of the tennis playing community today. Yeah. You see, I mean, you see all kinds of replicas of Serena and Venus. Oh, out yeah. there and not only at the professional level Correct. at the club level yep you know when you go to your local community parks you see more black people playing mm-hmm. than you did before um their level of influence and we're talking specifically about serena today um you know it just cannot be denied and that's why i said at the beginning of this recording for anybody, and, and let's just take a minute to just break that down, because I need some people still don't get it. <laughs> the whole thing with Margaret Court, okay, in the sport of tennis, we have basically two periods of tennis, right? We have what we call the open era, and then there was the non-open era, the era that was before the open era. Um, the open era, I forgot what year it officially started. It was like 68, 69, 70. 1970. It was somewhere in that range. But before the open era, the way tennis was played is you had professionals and you had amateurs. And professionals could not play in the amateur tournament. And guess what, y'all? The majors, the ones that we know today as 
the Australian Open and the French and Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, those were only open to amateurs. Right. So when you won those tournaments before the open era, that meant you were beating or you were playing against the best amateurs in the world. Think about it like from an Olympics standpoint before we started putting professionals in there too. <laughs> um, you know, it was the best amateurs. So Margaret Court won a significant amount of her majors before the open era, which meant she was only playing against the best amateurs at the time. That is not her fault. That is the way tennis was played back then. Once we ushered in the open era, that meant Anybody could play the tournaments, whether you were amateur, whether you were professional, you were truly playing against the best players in the world, no matter what their status was. So when you compare that Serena has won all 23 of her singles majors against the very best people on the planet versus Margaret Court won about half of her 24 majors against the very best people on the planet. That's where we say Serena is the goat over Margaret Court because there's there's not equality there in terms of the competition they had to play against to win their majors. And Bryce, let me just add a little bit of extra spice onto that as well. Folks, when Margaret Court competed she basically her lion's share of grand slams came from the Australian Open. The Australian mm-hmm. Open was played during the Christmas season. So even the amateurs that went to play, a lot of them didn't go because it was our holiday season. So not only did she not get to play against all of the really true tennis talent out there, but there was even a subset of the amateurs because some didn't go over to Australia because it was the holidays in, in uh, particularly in, in the U.S. And let, and let me add some additional spice to that. <laughs> Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett will tell you that back in the day, the Australian Open was played during the same time as the Virginia Slims Championships, mm-hmm. which back then paid them much more than they would have made traveling half, halfway across the world to play the Australian Open. So, you know, once again, none of this is Margaret Court's fault. I mean, she did, she played what was in front of her, but when you're truly trying to compare apples to apples, you know, that's why a lot of people, even before Serena, were set, was saying that Steffi Graf Steffi, yep. was the GOAT. Correct. Because Steffi had won all of her 22 majors against uh, the best, you, you know, during the, right, during the open era. Yep. So, I just wanted to take a minute to make it clear. It's not about hating on Margaret Court or anything that she did in her career. It's just about the facts and the data and why Serena Williams is clearly the GOAT when it comes to Grand Slam singles championships. There you go. And the one thing that I will say, Bryce, and piggybacking on what you said earlier, um, I mean, for for the majority of people that kind of have read our bios, I mean, you've been playing tennis for a long time, but I actually started playing tennis in that 1998, 1999 time frame. So for me coming out, it was like Andre Agassi was my guy. I was watching mm-hmm. him and trying to, trying to emulate my game on him. And it was 
Venus and Serena. And honestly, when I started playing, that was the year that Serena broke through and won the U.S. Open. So for me, this is actually my first professional athlete that I have really looked up to and followed and and that they are basically saying goodbye to the game. So, you know, for me, you know, it's you know, I, I was in my my feelings a little bit in the in the fact when she when she announced it, um, because, again, I, I really haven't experienced that uh, from a tennis standpoint with any other athlete actually starting with them and actually seeing them retire. She's basically one. She's basically one of the first. Uh, and and let me give the other side of that. So um, for someone who was following tennis, oh, my gosh, since the 70s. Right. <laughs> so when I started watching, it was after Althea Gibson. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see any of that. The the African-American women, heck, and even men for that point that I had to watch were great players. I mean, Zena yeah. Garrison and Chanda Rubin oh, and, yeah. you know, uh, we were watching, you know, Rodney Harmon and, and Malavia Washington and all those kind of things. They were great players, but they were never the level of player where I felt like, OK, they can take this major. You know, right. that they right. were going to take out Martina Navratilova or Chris Everett or Yvonne Lindell or John McEnroe, right? They mm-hmm. were kind of like that 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 next tier. The challengers, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Venus and Serena were the first, once again, like I said, because I, was, I, I wasn't watching when Althea played. Right. They were the first African-American tennis players that I watched that would be contenders, true contenders for every major that they entered. Correct. Yep. Uh, And and, and, and players that you could actually say, I've got kind of confidence that they're going to take this title. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the favorite. They're the top seed, you know? Right. Right. Change the game, man. Change the game. It's it's definitely going to be sad without her. Right. Right. So what are you going to miss the most about not having Serena Williams on the tour? Oh, man. I mean, just just that 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 intensity. And I mean, not to say that there aren't any other players that have that level of intensity that she had. But I I, I just loved her fight, man. I mean, when you got into a match with Serena, you knew that you were in for a battle. Um, It was just very rare that you would ever see Serena just, you know, give up. And and that was the piece that I just enjoyed is just that that fight and that that, you know, come ons. And and, and, you know, I know some some folks, probably her opponents got kind of mad with the, you know, with the with the the vocalness that that she expressed or her expressiveness, I'll call it. But I loved it, man. It brought people into the game. It made you feel like you were a part of of the action. And, yep. and, and I loved it. And, and I, 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 I will certainly miss that brother. How about you? Right. Um, for me, I think what I'm, I'm going to miss a lot of what you said, the, the fight, and I don't have the stat in front of me. So uh, listeners don't crucify me on this, <laughs> but I thought I had heard somewhere that Serena had the highest winning percentage in uh, when matches went to three sets. Ah, um, I could be wrong or she just may be in like the top couple or whatever, but she was known for that. You know, mm-hmm. Serena, if she lost the first set, you knew the match wasn't over. 
Exactly. Ain't nowhere I close mean, to being over. Yeah, it, it, the match absolutely wasn't over. Um, I love, I'm going to miss most of all um, <laughs> um, the few times that she had opponents that you knew she probably didn't care a whole lot for. <laughs> um, and I don't need to name no names. But there was just a whole, you know how they used to say John McEnroe actually played better when he got angry. Yes. You know, yes. he didn't lose control when you saw him smashing racks and stuff like, oh, is he losing control? No, he was no. actually tightening up his game exactly. at that point. <laughs> Serena was the same way when she played people that she had issues with. Right. And we saw some of the best matches uh, in that scenario. And she had mm-hmm. some of the best rivalries. I mean, yes. Justine in a capriotic yeah. Capriati, uh, Davenport, Kleister, mm-hmm. her own sister Venus, yes. Sharapova. I mm. mean, <laughs> was that a rivalry? Anyway, uh, <laughs> after well, the first two. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute, and, and our listeners will know what we're talking about later. But Isaac, when I see her, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, oh, and then I think it's just it's it's such a nice cap off. Right. Yeah. With having King Richard, yes. you know, come out. Yes. I mean, even though that had much more to do with Richard and even Venus. Right. Um, right. I think it, it still included this piece for Serena. Right. Yeah. And, and it opens and the door. I mean, it does. Our, our hope is that that's maybe something that she will be focusing on now that that she is evolving away from the game is maybe maybe we get that Serena story and or movie because I'm I'm there for it. I tell you that. Oh, I know we will. I think we're <laughs> going to get a Serena story and we're going to get a Venus story I agree. because both of them have some very compelling stories. I mean, you, you know, we talk we're talking right now about what they did on the court primarily, but right. they had huge storylines off the court as well. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Oh, yeah. And and we and we know Serena is one of these type of people that whatever she decides to venture into, she's going to be a success. That's right. That's and right. Uh, and we love her Serena ventures company she's got going on now and uh we love you know the representation uh that she's showing and her position and and role in pop culture yes you know oh yes people that don't even like tennis know who serena williams is that's right they do don't slip (laughs) no And this episode is not the only tribute that Brothers on Tennis is going to give to Serena. You're going to see several things uh, coming out from us uh, over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, Isaac, although you and I have never, like, explicitly said it, I don't think we've even explicitly said it to each other. You know, what Venus and Serena have Mm -hmm. done in the game of tennis, I think, underlies some of the confidence that we had to uh, to do what we've done in Brothers Most on definitely. Tennis. Most definitely. I mean, honestly, that's that's uh, you know this this was definitely an outlet that was needed, Brothers on Tennis. But at the at, at the same time, that was the catalyst for it uh, yep. of Venus and of Serena because 
again, when you have folks like Venus and Serena who came out and weren't really being given their flowers, you know, when we were talking about it, it's like, well, who who else is missing? Who else is not getting the shine that they deserved? Right. So that, you know, to me, they were the catalyst of 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 this this, you know, this venture uh, getting off the ground. So you're exactly right, Bryce. Exactly right. So, well, look, we we don't want to stretch this out. We We just wanted to come out and kind of give our thoughts as two of the biggest fans of of Serena Williams. You know, Isaac, what are your final thoughts and maybe words to our listeners about Serena for these next couple of weeks and beyond? Yeah, just I w- what I would say is just, you know, get out there, social media. Hopefully, if you can get to the tournaments, either Western and Southern or the U.S. Open, you know, get out there, see her for the last time. But if you can't, you know, express your love via social media, you know, get on her account. Just just show some love. Give her the flowers that she deserves, because, again, she's 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 changed. You know, I mean, she's changed the landscape, y'all. And 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 she should be given the appropriate send away uh, because of that. What about you, Bryce? I would say that our last great African-American women's champion, Althea Gibson, never got the flowers that she deserved Mm -hmm. uh, when she went out. And we at least have an opportunity to not make that mistake again with Serena. And um, like the stats that took me five minutes to read (laughs) to you. Um, Yes. Whatever you may feel about somebody personally or whatever, numbers don't lie. Say it. Numbers don't lie. And that's all. (laughs) That's what I'm leaving with. Numbers don't lie. There you go. So, well, like I said a few minutes ago, we're going to have a couple of different versions of our tribute to Miss Serena Williams. And please stay tuned in to us both on our podcast and on our social media uh, to check that out. But uh, congratulations to you, Miss Serena Williams. Uh, you did the damn thing. There you go. Come on now. So on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy, Bryce. And this is your boy, Isaac. And we are brothers on tennis. Come on! You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.